Come on, lift your voice and give a praise to the Lord. Make a joyful shout unto Him. Come on. Let's praise Him. Let's bless Him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for a shifting in the atmosphere. We thank you for a new thing that you are doing, a new season. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. Just take a moment and bless Him. Bless His name. Praise His name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, just praise him a little bit. Play it just a little bit. Just continue where we've been. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody help me praise him. Somebody help me bless him. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We praise your name. You're holy, holy, holy. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over this service today. Over every person here, over those watching online, those that will watch later by the stream or by television, I plead the blood of Jesus over them right now. I pray, Lord, for moments of insight and revelation that will change us today. Help us to get it. Help us not just to go through the motions. Help us not to be here for ritual or ceremony or traditions of men but help us to get the insight you have 
from your word for us today. Help us, Lord, to get what you're dropping in our spirit. Help us to get it. Help us to have an aha moment. Help us to open our eyes and see who you are and what you are doing and what you want to do for us. Help us to realize today that you have a destiny and a purpose for every one of us. Help us, Lord, to get it today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name. Give somebody a high five and tell them you are in the right place. You are in the right place. Let me ask you today, why are you here? Why are you here? Not just why are you here in this room and in this building, but why are you in this city? Why are you in this state? Why are you on this planet? Why are you here? What is your purpose? What is your destiny? What do you believe God wants to do in your life? Are you just existing? Are you just floating along? Are you like a piece of driftwood on the ocean? Are you just floating along, hoping that good things will come to you, hoping that things will go your way? What, what are you here for? Why are you here? What is your purpose? What is your destiny? It's not a trick question. Yet so many people in life don't know why they are here. They don't know where they are going. They don't know what their purpose is. They have not discovered their destiny. They are just floating along, going through the motions. It is quiet now. Could I tell you something that if you've been here any time at all, you should know, but can I tell you that we are in a spiritual battle? God, God wanted pure relationship with man, with Adam and with Eve. And Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. Now you can blame him, you can blame her. You can go back and forth with the controversy that he should have been a man and said no. Or she shouldn't have tried to talk him into eating the fruit. But the bottom line is they both blew it. Blame who you will. They both blew it. They both made a wrong choice. In the book of James, in chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Just take a moment and look at your neighbor. Just look at them. Just put a little pressure on them. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways now as you look at your neighbor look at him right now and say well just put the b on them just put the pressure on them now look at them and say don't be double-minded say grow up now when you tell somebody to grow up I hate to break it to you, but it is not a compliment. You're not complimenting them. When you tell somebody, grow up, or you need to grow up. Yet, Christians that are still drinking milk and haven't started chewing on the meat need to grow up. 
If you've been saved 20 years and you're still drinking milk, something's wrong. If you're 20 years old on this planet and you've never eaten anything but all you've done is drink milk, there's a problem. As a matter of fact, you have a health problem. If you've never had anything but milk, yet there are people in the body of Christ, there are so-called Christians that don't even know what this book says because they've never read it. They got John 3.16 down. They, they memorized that when they got saved. Maybe they got the Roman road, or maybe they got 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And some folks think that's all they need. After you get saved, we have work to do. Thank you, seven or eight of you, for that amen. Thank you. But we are in a spiritual battle. And some folks, I say it, sometimes they're still working on their testimony. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 14. Verse 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But if you drop down, and I'm just trying to save some time here, it says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. One translation says, his own lust and entice so every man is tempted look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you right there you're tempted we are tempted i am tempted we are all tempted when we are drawn away of our own lust our own desires those fleshly things that we want now there's nothing wrong with eating apple pie but if you lust after it and that's all you eat and you eat it morning, noon, and night and become a glutton. The Bible does talk about gluttony. Come on now. Every man is tempted. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Let me translate that just a little bit. What happens is we struggle with our fleshly desires. We want to do the right thing. We get saved, we're Christians, we want to do the right thing. We want to serve God, we want to go to church. But we decide to sleep in on Sunday morning because it's a little bit rainy. We want to do the right thing, but we do the wrong thing. You know, when we got saved, we stopped stealing things when we went to Walmart. But sometimes those old habits just come back when you have something that you need and you don't have the money to get it. So you just think, well, God understands. No, God doesn't understand. He said, thou shalt not steal. Stealing is a sin. Lying is a sin. Fornicating is a sin. Covet is a sin. Murder is a sin. Why y'all getting so quiet? You started off, I got a bunch of amens, and then as I went down the list, it started getting quieter, quieter, quieter. And so people struggle with their weakness, the weak link, the sin. So I'm telling you, we are in a spiritual battle. In Romans chapter 7, 
This is the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But hear what he says in these verses. It's very powerful. He says, for the good that I will do, I do not do. In other words, I ought to do some good things, but I'm not doing it. But the evil that I will not to do, in other words, I don't want to do these evil things. He said, that I am doing, that I am practicing. Does it look like he's struggling in the flesh with his fleshly desires? And if you go back to James 1, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires, his own lust and enticed. So our fleshly desires, and how many know the devil knows your weakness? He knows your weakness. Many years ago, I was sitting in a church for a wedding. Now, I've never been a smoker. I never smoked, never wanted to smoke. I was an athlete. I just, I didn't want to smoke. And I'm sitting in this wedding. The wedding has not started yet. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming urge that hit me in the head to leave, to get up, to go down the street to a little minute market that I knew was only about three or four blocks away and go buy me a pack of Winston cigarettes and go, I could even see myself standing outside smoking. And I thought, who is that for? It must have been somebody beside me or behind me or in front of me and the dart just hit me and it missed me because I thought, that ain't, that ain't me. But there might be some other things that I'm tempted to do. So the devil knows he's not going to tempt me to smoke. You wait for me to tell you what my weakness is, aren't you? <laughs> not going to happen. But the devil knows, and he will tempt you with your weakness. He will tempt you with your struggle. Look at it again. Paul says, for the good that I will to do, those things that I know to do good, and I want to do those things, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that, I practice that. I struggle with that. I do that almost every day. I'm struggling with that. I'm trying to stop doing that. Now, if I do what I will not to do it is no longer i who do it but the sin that dwells in me for i delight in the law of god according to the inward man but i see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members and as I studied this the the theologians and the commentaries commentators they they talk here about how Paul is struggling at this time he's struggling in the flesh he is struggling with his flesh he is struggling with his weaknesses the great apostle Paul and then we go to the next verse I want you to watch this here's what Paul said Chapter 7, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. He judged himself. Because the word wretched means miserable, contemptible, and morally wrong. 
Oh, wretched man that I am. Hmm. What's he saying? Well, I'll tell you what he's saying. Paul was giving reference to a Roman torture in the rest of this verse. Oh, wretched, miserable, contemptible, morally wrong man that I am. He was talking about how he was struggling. He was talking about what he was going through. And here's what he said in the next part of the verse. Who will deliver me, set me free, rescue me from this body of death? What was he talking about? Well, the Romans, they prided themselves in torture. They prided themselves in the methods that they came up with to torture people. We know that the crucifixion, crucifying people, was the Romans. They came up with that. But Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the picture was that the Roman torture was to take criminals, sometimes criminals that had not done anything that a lot of people hadn't done. Sometimes it might be a murderer, but they would take criminals, and to torture them, they would take a corpse a dead body and they would strap it onto the back of the criminal sometimes they would even strap it to his face face to face hand to hand arm to arm chest to chest leg to leg a dead corpse can you imagine how detestable that would be most of us don't like dead things what would you do if you found a dead rat in your bed? What if you rolled over, you woke up, and there was a dead rat in your bed? Most of you are going to jump up on the bed. You're going to throw it. We don't like dead things. We cannot imagine holding dead things. You know, if you, if you hold dead things, something's wrong with you. If you like dead stuff, something is wrong with you. I mean, you may love your little dog, but if your dog dies, you better bury the dog. You don't just carry the dog around for days and weeks. Dead things, we, we don't want them on us. We don't want them to touch us. And the Bible even talked about if you touch someone that is dead, you are unclean for seven days. In the Old Testament, it talked about the rituals of cleansing if you had touched something or somebody that was dead. Yet the Romans decided, we're going to torture people. We're going to torture murderers by taking the victim that they murdered and strap them, strap that dead body, that corpse, to the face or to the back of the criminal. This was going to be a slow death. I have tried to make this visual for you today. I want you to understand that if a murderer kills somebody and they strap the victim, the corpse, to the back of him and they would chain that corpse to him, they would strap it to him. Here he is with the decaying, rotting corpse rotting into his body. You can imagine just, first of all, the very thought of a dead person laying on you, touching you, wrapped around you. I was kind to our, um, our model today by putting the, the corpse on his back. 
But the truth is, when the, when the Romans really wanted to torture somebody, they wrapped him, they, they put him on his face. It was literally face to face, hand to hand. They strapped him, and he could not get away from him. Can you imagine the stench? Can you imagine the grotesqueness? Can you imagine the pain that began to eat into his back? Because the corpse is going to rot. The corpse is going to stink. The corpse is going to decay. The maggots and the worms, the skin worms, are going to come out. And he can't get it off of him because it is chained to him. This is what Paul was saying. He said, oh, wretched, miserable man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death that has attached itself to me, that is decaying on me? I want to talk to you a few minutes today about those things that are attached to you. I want to talk to you about what you have attached yourself to or what things you have allowed to get attached to you. Because there are some things that have attached itself to you. Some of the things you welcomed because you liked it. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. You like your demons. The reason some of you can't get delivered from your demons is because you love your demons. You have embraced your demons. You like the way it makes you feel. You like the flesh. You like to satisfy and pleasure the flesh. Come on, somebody. Paul said, oh, miserable, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? He understood that it was a who that needed to deliver him. It was not something. It was not a plan. It was not a program. He knew that he needed a who he needed somebody that could deliver him and so the prisoner the criminal was forced to live out the rest of his short life with a body of death strapped to him it wasn't going to happen quickly can you imagine the emotion that somebody like this would go through can you imagine the crying the tears at night can you imagine if he wanted to lay down and and sleep can you imagine how he would he would be able to sleep why don't you lay down and see if you can sleep why don't you try that I'll help you get back up Sleep is going to elude him. He might be able to lay on his side, but this body, this stinking, nasty, decaying, rotting corpse is rotting into his back, rotting into his flesh. Can you imagine the flies? Can you imagine the maggots? Can you imagine the decay? Can you imagine what kind of punishment this is? This was one of the most grotesque, Tortures that the Romans could dream up. And it was something they did quite often to murderers, to criminals, to torture them, to punish them. So I started off by telling you today that we are in a spiritual battle. And I need to tell you that in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's in chapter 11, I believe it's around verse 13, 14, and 15, 
where the Bible tells us that Satan himself will transform himself into an angel of light. When you get this visual of a body of death being strapped to you, of a corpse being strapped to you to punish you, all of us would say, oh, no, 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 not me. That's me. I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm gone. Do you think Satan comes to you with that and says, this is what I'm attaching to you? Do you think he does this or does he paint some beautiful picture, some beautiful portrait? He comes as an angel of light. He tells you that what you were doing when you are drawn away and tempted with your own lust, he tells you it's okay. He tells you nobody will know. He transforms himself as an angel of light, and he paints this bright light picture that says, this is fun, this is all right, everybody is doing it. Why, why are you so worried about this? Why do you feel bad about this? Just shake it off. Shake off the guilt. Shake it off because it's all right. It's all right for you to smoke a little marijuana. It's all right for you to fornicate a little bit every now and then. Everybody has needs. It's okay if you do that. It's all right if you go get drunk. After all, you had a bad day. You had a bad week. Go get drunk. Go get high. Go snort some coke. Go do some cocaine. Come on, somebody. Satan transforms himself as an angel of light. And the next verse... The next verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 around verse 15 and 16 says, It is no wonder that his ministers transform also into an angel of light or an angel of righteousness. You better be careful who you listen to. You better be careful who you are who you are attaching yourself to. You better be careful who you are following. You better be careful who you endorse. I'm preaching better than you shouting today. When you have a body of death strapped to you and you try to be a Christian, how can somebody have your back? Who's going to have your back? Who's going to want to come get back to back and go into battle with you when there is a body attached to you? You don't want to go to battle with them. You want to run from them. You can't even get close because of the stench. You don't even want to get close because of the flies, because of the decay. You don't want it to get on you. You don't want to become a part of that. So how can you have somebody having your back going into battle with you? Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. When are we going to wake up and realize our sin will send us to hell? When are we going to wake up and realize we have followed the angel of light and we've decided it's all right, this sin is acceptable, this sin is okay? No, 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 no. Sin separates you from God. Sin will send you to hell. Let me preach to you right here. Here comes one little, one little preach sentence. Quit playing church we are in a war we are in a spiritual war we are in a spiritual battle and the things that have attached themselves to us that we have allowed or the things we have attached to have to be broken see we're we're fixers by nature 
And my wife says, I, I didn't say this. I wouldn't say this about women, but my wife says, especially women, we want to fix it. We get into a relationship with somebody and we see all the warts and the flaws and the problems and we think, I can fix them. I, I want to be in relationship with this person. I'll make them better. I'll fix them. Let me tell you, when you start dating them, they're on good behavior. They are the best they'll ever be. Because they're trying to get you. He's trying to get you, ma'am. He's on good behavior right now. So whatever he is, just because he's coming to church now just to get you, if he's not saved, if he don't want to be a part of this, if he's not worshiping, if he's not, a, if he's not really saved, and he's just there because, because he's after you. When you get married, when you get him, he won't come. He won't be there. He will not be the spiritual priest of your home. But we're fixers. We're enablers. We, we want to make somebody whole. We want to help them. Let me tell you, you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. Jesus is the only one that can save somebody. Nobody else can save. Only him. Jesus saves. But we're fixers. And we allow people to attach themselves to us. We allow things to attach themselves to us. We allow behaviors to get connected to us. We attach ourselves to a certain behavior. We saw it when we were young. We thought, I like that, so I'm going to do that. We, we take on attitudes. We, we let attitudes attach to us. Attitudes of arrogance. Condescending attitudes. Attitudes of evil. We take on behaviors. We start behaving in a certain way. And we, we attach ourselves to a certain behavior. We frequent certain places with those behaviors. We hang out with certain people with those behaviors. The ones your granny and your mama told you don't hang out with. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. Well, some folks attach themselves to the wrong crowd. And then, some of y'all are the wrong crowd. You're the ones that somebody else's granny warned their kids about. What have you attached to you? What behavior have you attached to yourself? Lying? Are you a liar? Oh, y'all see how quiet it got right then? I killed it right then. The truth is not in you. If you're talking, you're lying. How many have ever met that guy? If he's talking, he's lying. If she's talking, she's lying. It's a behavior that people embrace because you don't have to lie. Some people lie. No, I understand that there are times that you think it's better to lie. It's not. It's always the wrong thing. But I had a staff member one time. He, if he was talking, he was lying. True. 
I cannot tell you the first time that I went to his house right after he was... Matter of fact, I fired him five days in. Five days in, I fired him. And Pastor Rita was with me. She said, oh, don't. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. She did. Give him a chance. I said, no. Should have fired him right then. Because it went from bad to worse. He had attached himself to a spirit of lying. And I told him when he came, I said, now, he was our youth pastor. He was a young guy, handsome guy, very talented. He had more talent in his little finger than most people have in their whole body. And I said to him, when you come, I do not want you dating girls in our church, girls in the youth group. Do you understand? Shake your head. This means yes, this means no. I said, do you understand? And he had come from Lee University. I said, now, if you want to go back up there and you go date somebody up there, that's fine. You go up there when you, when you get a day off, that's fine. But do not date girls in the church, okay? So five days in, the young adult leader had taken several kids somewhere down to Montgomery or somewhere. I forget even what it was for. I don't even know what it was. It was an event, and they went. And he dated one of the girls in the youth group on that Friday night, five days in, six days in. First week. Long story short, it went from bad to worse. He ended up getting one of the girls in the youth group pregnant. Should have fired him that first week. One day, I went to his office, and on his desk, there was a, a, a ticket from law enforcement. I picked it up. I thought, what is that? And I called him. I said, what is this? Because he wasn't in the building. He says, what is this? I can explain, sir. I can explain that. He always had the best manners. Yes, sir. No, sir. Please. Thank you. I mean, he, and he, I can explain. I, can, I said, what is this? It was a ticket for drunk driving. Youth pastor. Come on, somebody. Well, what I was going to tell you is he would lie about all that kind of stuff. He could always explain. But when he didn't have to lie, when he hadn't done anything, he would lie. It's like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Some people, you have attached or allowed a spirit of lying to attach to you. And you justify yourself and say, oh, it's just a little lie. It's a little white lie. Nobody cares. You know, somebody calls you on the phone and they answer and they go, it's for you. I'm not here. Tell them I'm not here. Tell them I'm not here. Liar. That's a lie. In case you didn't know it, that, that's a lie. If you don't want to talk to them, just say, tell them I ain't going to talk to them. Just say, I don't like him or I don't like her. I'm not going to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. Tell them don't call me anymore. Just be honest. Don't lie. But we let... We let spirits attach themselves to us. And see what happens. We start off with a little sin. We start off with a little thing. We tell a little white line. The next thing you know, then, then we're getting drunk on Friday night. The next thing you know, we're, we're smoking drugs. We're smoking. We're taking some kind of pills. We're getting all, getting all high on everything. What did you get delivered from? And we keep on until all these little things pile up until it's a whole body it's not just a little thing that gets on us it's not just a little thing 
that we think it won't affect us. It's a body that's attached itself to us. And Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body? This entire corpse, this entire body of death. Because there was death on him. There was death. They used, they used an entire corpse to attach to people to punish them. The enemy, Satan, he wants to put so much on you. And he starts as this angel of light saying, try this. Try this. It's fun. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It won't affect you. Nobody will care. Nobody, it won't hurt anybody. And some folks have so much mercy. I, I've got a mercy gift. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I could have been done, by, done wrong. I could have had a lying youth pastor. The next one that comes, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him a chance. I give everybody a chance until you prove me wrong. And your mercy gift keeps you attached so to somebody that's not good for you. You should cut the cord. You should deliver yourself from that person. You should burn the bridge and cut the cord and stay away from some people because they are toxic people. Oh, somebody said, oh, pastor, I can't believe you said that. Why would you say that? That's folks in your whole family. Folks in your family. See them at Thanksgiving. Send them a card at Christmas. Tell them, I, I love you. I pray for you. I don't want anything bad to come to you. But stay away from them. Stay away from them. Don't connect to them. Don't reconnect to them. When people show you who they are, believe them. Paul said it. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said, So then, because you are lukewarm, look at your neighbor and say, he may be talking to you right there. Because you are lukewarm and you are neither cold nor hot. Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Why? Because you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I don't need anything. I have need of nothing. And you do not even know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And I heard what somebody said. Well, I'm not rich. Do you live in America? You are rich. The poorest people in this country are richer than the average person in the rest of the world on this planet. If you live in this country, are you here? If you're here, raise your hand. You are rich. Don't tell me you are not rich. You have been afforded blessings that people, the average person in the rest of the world never has had or never will have, most of them. Most of them, they struggle to find one meal for the day. If they can get one meal a day, they've done pretty good. They feel pretty good about it. You eat two or three or four or five times a day if you want to. Don't throw it back at me. 
Don't throw that back at me. You are rich. You are blessed. And we live in a nation that is blessed. We, are, we live in a nation of increase. We live in a nation of abundance. If you want to work and get three jobs, you can do it and make money and put a, make an investments and get ahead and own your own business. You, we live in a land of opportunity. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. And there are folks that don't even know that they are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And there is a body of death attached to them. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I need to tell you, we need to stop underestimating the power, the weight, the gravity, and the filthy nature of Satan. He is a thief. He is an enemy. He is coming to steal, kill, and to destroy. He transforms himself, your Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13, 14, and 15. He transforms himself as an angel of light. But let me tell you, let me take the cover off. Let me expose him today. He is a liar. He is a thief. He is coming to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything about you. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a war and we need to wake up and open our eyes and realize that the devil is coming after you So what do we do first Peter chapter 5 verse 8? I'm glad you asked we need to be sober Look at your neighbor and say sober up Sober up. What does that mean? It means discipline. You need to be disciplined. It means controlled. We need to be controlled by the way This came out of the dictionary. We need to be of sound mind don't be double-minded. Think right. Get your mind in gear before you get your mouth in gear. People get their mouth in gear before they get their mind in gear and they want to give somebody a piece of their mind and they probably don't have any to share. Be sober. Discipline control of sound mind not affected by alcohol. When you are sober, you have not been affected by alcohol. When you have alcohol in you, you are intoxicated. Your mind is not sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? It means to be alert, to be watchful, to be wide awake. Open your eyes. Wake up. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he is your adversary. You think you don't have a problem in the world. You think you don't have an enemy in the world. You're laid back. You love God. You love everybody. No, you have an adversary, the devil. And he walks about like a roaring lion, not the roaring lion. He is not the lion of Judah, but he tries to act like him. He tries to emulate him. He transforms himself as an angel of light, and he comes as a roaring lion seeking you so he may devour you. Stop underestimating the devil. We're in a battle. We're in a war. So what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. If we don't get this body of death off of us pretty soon, you're going to die. You're going to die a spiritual death, and you're going to hell. Is that too hard? Yeah, people don't want to hear that in churches today. We just want to talk about being a better you. We just want to talk about, you know, everything's great. You know, you can live any old way. Just go to church and pay your tithes, and, and everything will be fine. No! The devil is a liar. There are churches that have been transformed. There are people that have bought in to just go to church and, you know, 
you can still have all your little sins as long as you go to church. No, you can't. It's not even about church. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Is this too hard? So what are we going to do? If you don't get the body of death off of you, if you don't get delivered from the corpse, the things that have attached themselves to you or the things that you have attached yourself to, thinking, this is okay, I like this, this is good. If you don't get them off, the corpse will kill you. And it's not a quick death. It'd be better if it was just quick. Just get it over with. But no, it is a slow death. The decay, the rotting flesh, the worms, the maggots, the stench. And of course, all of that drives everybody from you. Nobody wants to be in relationship with you. They don't want to come around you. They may not be able to see this corpse, but they know something's wrong. They can sense it. We, people are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings and we live in a body and we possess a soul. And even people that are not right with God will come around and they sense something's not right. If we don't get it off, if we don't get deliverance, say deliverance, say it. We, we, we've got to understand deliverance. We've got to declare deliverance. We have to walk in deliverance. We've got to help others get delivered. If we don't get delivered from the corpse, the body of death that has attached itself to us, you will die a slow, painful, miserable death. So there has to be an answer. And Paul said it. Who shall separate me? Or who shall deliver me from this corpse? Who will deliver me from this body of death? There's only one. There's only one answer. There's only one that can deliver you. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the only one. No preacher can deliver you. No evangelist can deliver you. No program, no 12-step program can deliver you. No amount of money can deliver you. No country, no city, no state can deliver you. No church can deliver you. Only Jesus Christ can deliver you. And He came to set you free. The Bible says He came to set the captives free. In Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to set the captives free. Jesus came to set you free. We've got to get the corpse off of us before it's too late, before it starts rotting into your flesh, into your back, causing you to die. So that means we've got to do it pretty soon when it attaches to us. Let me say that again. Yes, sir. We have to do it pretty soon yes, after it attaches to us. We cannot wait and say, oh, it's not hurting me. It stinks a little bit, but it's not hurting me. It's not hurting anybody else. It might be hurting me a little bit, but it's not going to hurt anybody else. He's lying to you. The devil is lying to you. We've got to get it off. We've got to get it off. We've got to have deliverance. We've got to have somebody. The Holy Ghost. Jesus. 
starts getting getting it off the chains have to go the bondage has to go it's got to go somebody say it's got to go it's got to go it's got to go it can't stay It's stubborn. <laughs> it wants to stay. But it can't stay. The Bible says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I need the Holy Ghost to help me. Tony, come help me. <laughs> Holy Ghost, help me. Come on, lift your hands. Say, Holy Ghost, help me. Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. I need breakthrough. I need deliverance. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? What shall we say to these things? Romans 8 is one of my favorite scriptures. Look at this. What shall we say thing? What shall we say then to all of these things? What shall we say? to the sin, to the body of death, to the corpse, to the sins, to the things that have attached themselves to us. What shall we say to all these things? What shall we do to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's what I want you to get in your spirit today. If God is for you, who can be against you? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all of these things, in all of these things, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came to set the captives free. Who shall separate? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus, 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 Jesus. The power of the Holy Ghost. He will set you free. Come on, get on your feet and bless Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you for the power. Oh, yes, there is. To break. To break. To break. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, praise him, praise him. He's helping somebody today. Somebody's going to get deliverance today. Somebody's going to be delivered from the power, from the body of death, from demons. You're going to be delivered today, today, today. In the name of Jesus. To 
rising up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's an army. Are you part of that army? Are you part of the remnant? Are you part of the football one? I want you to hear the sound. There is a sound of chains falling. I want you to, I want you to hear the sound. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sound? Listen, listen to this sound. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling off. I hear deliverance in the air. I hear anointing in the air. I hear breakthrough in the air, in the spirit realm. For you, for you, for you, for you. Come on, praise him. Sing it. Sing it. Say, pray, Break them off. Come on, symbolically, break them off right now. Begin to break them off. Just break free. Come on, get free. Break free. Break free. Break free. Break free. Just do it. Break free. Break free from addictions. Break free from your past. Break free from the pain. Break free from sickness. Break free, break free, break free. Come on, kids, come on. 